the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The only criterion of your worth and how you should live is determined by God's call and not by humans with their faulty judgments and social categorizations. When you live by those rather than in accordance to God's call, then you are voluntarily, willingly enslaving yourself to man. Join us now for Grace to the Bay as we glorify the Lord Jesus Christ through sound expository teaching by our teacher, Dr. Roger Chen. Grace to the Bay is the radio outreach of Grace Church of the Bay Area located in San Mateo. If you are blessed by Dr. Chen's message and are looking for a church home, you're invited to come worship with him. Now, here is Dr. Chen. What matters to God... And here we get to the ultimate prerogative at the end of verse 19, the keeping of the commandments of God. And as always, I want to point out that if you are obeying externally without the right heart, you are not keeping the commandments of God. It means not just doing what He wants. It means doing what He wants with the right heart, which ultimately is doing what He wants. He says keeping, keeping of the commandments. This is a great word in the Greek. It means guarding, like a soldier keeping watch at his post so as to protect any sort of violation or removal. We are to be alert. We are to stand guard. We are to obey. And like that watchman on the tower, to make sure in our own hearts no aspect of God's desire and commands for us in our heart, our mind, and our behavior is removed or taken away or violated. We are to protect it in our own hearts for our own worship, for our own God. That is the ultimate prerogative, to keep God's commandments. Everything else is irrelevant to God. If those things mattered to God, we would be commanded to get married. We would be commanded to stay single. We would be commanded to get circumcised or Jews to reverse their circumcision. Or even if you were circumcised just for whatever reasons as a baby, that you reverse that. We would be commanded to get rid of that tattoo or to get rid of any history on your, uh, your, your, your Facebook page of the other religion you used to be a part of, or to cut ties with all of your Catholic family members or whatever it is. But we're not. We're not. We're not commanded to change jobs. We are not commanded to make more money. We are not commanded to make less money. The ultimate prerogative is keeping the commandments of God. In other words, going back to the universal principle, don't be confused with what God cares about, obedience and worship, and what society cares about, which often, let's be honest, is an excuse for really what you care about. It doesn't matter to God, so it shouldn't matter to us, even if it is a social 
stigma as circumcision was for these people in that day. Well, let's go to help number three for Christians to understand social status, the underlying position. We find this in verses 20 through 22. Each man must remain in that condition in which he was called. Were you called a slave or were you called while a slave? Do not worry about it. But if you are able also to become free, rather do that. For he who was called in the Lord while a slave is the Lord's freedman. Likewise, he who was called while free is Christ's slave. So having addressed marital status and spiritual markings as inconsequential in the bigger scheme of things, he now addresses a very real possibility for the Corinthians, which is slavery. Now, as always, I want to remind you that we must remove from our minds the slavery in American history and understand that though there were similarities, there were many, many differences in slavery of the Greco-Roman period. He begins by reiterating the main point in verse 20, and then he adds to it by saying that you are to stay in the condition you were in when you got saved, even if you are a slave. We know from other scriptures, including verse 21, which we'll look at, it, look at in a second, that God has no problem with us changing our marital status or occupation. The point is that you are not to change or seek to change your circumstances out of a felt need that this kind of change would somehow better your relationship with God. And let's be honest. When we try to change our social status, it has nothing to do with our thinking that we can serve God better. We may use that as an excuse. We just selfishly want to better ourselves for our own comfort or for the esteem of man. And here's the thing. God is God, and you are His redeemed. So if God has called you when you are in a specific situation, then again, it is possible to honor Him in that situation and if you think you can't, then you're missing the whole point. And to help you understand that, he's bringing up slavery. Though it may be socially and physically easier to pursue certain aspects of Christianity in different situations, if you are not even willing to try in your current situation and you put God to the side until you change your situation, then you know what that tells me? That tells me that no matter what situation you find yourself in, you will have challenges to your worship because the problem is not your social status or your financial situation or your marital status. The problem is in your heart. You really have convinced yourself that if you have more money or if you have a family, if you have kids, that you can worship and serve God better, then there's a problem because you don't understand God and you don't understand service. Then only save middle-class married people who have the physical ability to have children. He's called singles of every ethnicity and social status. He has saved married couples who are infertile. He has saved widows, widowers. He has saved all kinds of people all over the world, and they can all worship Him. So don't use God. Don't use God as an excuse to pursue your own selfish desires for something else. To drive the point home, he uses the example of the most difficult social situation and occupation you could have in his day. In verse 21, he says that if you, as a Christian slave, 
have the opportunity to be free, then that's great. Do it. In other words, don't just stay a slave because of what he's written. That's not his point. However, the first half of the verse tells us that if you are called while a slave, then don't worry about it in the sense that you are not to allow social pressures embarrass you and stifle your worship. And it doesn't even matter how many people are in your situation or how many people are not in your situation. In Corinth, historians tell us that one-third of the population were slaves and another third were freedmen, which was a technical term for people who were once slaves but were now freed. Understand that slaves were considered property. They had no legal or human rights. Legally, they were not persons. And so you see here not even a social pressure, but a legal reality that they were not considered people. They were farming equipment. They were like the horse or the plow. They were property. But this helps us understand the distinction between what man thinks, even legally, and let's be honest, social pressure is often more powerful than even the law, the distinction between what man says and what God says. You really think that even though some of these slaves were treated and legally considered and socially mocked for and perhaps even themselves did not think they were actual people, they were just property, they were just a thing, that that's how God views them? Oh, yes, yes, God wants to save slaves because he needs equipment and tools. No, no, no. He saw them as people, people worthy of the blood of his son and as horrible and intolerable as that is on a social and personal level. It was an opportunity to glorify God on a spiritual level. Your spiritual calling by God rises above the urgency or desire to be freed from slavery. And in the context, this also refers to the desire to get a divorce or get married. Here's the point, that no matter where or what you are, you have the opportunity and ability for Christian faithfulness. Remember, God looks at the heart. A slave clearly was not able to free slaves, for example, to honor God, say, this is my, my act of worship. I'm on the Roman Senate, or I have a lot of pull, or I have a lot of money, and so I'm going to free slaves as an act of worship to God and service to the world. Now, obviously, a slave doesn't have money to do that. Slave couldn't buy a nice home and, and host a house church, but that doesn't mean he can't serve. He can serve in his own way. Now, again, there's a very big difference between American slavery and Roman slavery, but isn't it true that some of the deepest, most profound, and long-lasting Christian spirituals came from American slaves while in slavery. They understood it. These black men and women, they understood that they could worship and serve God in their horrible state of slavery. How do we not get it just because we only have one car instead of two? Because my best friends all got married and I'm still single. They all get to go to church with their husband, but I can't because he's not a believer. I'm not saying it's easy, but it's definitely possible and can be filled with joy. Yes, Paul says it's better to be free for the slave, but this was not an option for many slaves. 
So if the Lord leaves you there, the Lord leaves you there, again, God's sovereignty, then it is there that you must trust and worship Him. Again, same with your, if you're single or married to an unbeliever or whatever it may be. Now, God may change your situation, but the fact that you are called to Christ means that that change is unnecessary and should not be an obsession or a compulsion. And that's very important. In other words, if you're single, getting married should not be, you should not be obsessed with that idea. You should not be obsessed with more money. You should not be even be obsessed with freedom from slavery. In other words, here's a good gauge, and unfortunately, it's only because hindsight is twenty twenty. If you get married, if you get that job, if you can finally move from a rental to owning property, and you say, well, man, glad that's over with, that dark part of my life, what you're saying is, man, did I waste a lot of time where I could have been honoring God and amassing riches in heaven. We need to be careful that we don't pursue something we want so badly that when we get it, it's a relief rather than time for another opportunity to worship. My favorite word, and you hear this from time to time, especially when uh, on the mission field, when different missionaries or pastors are talking uh, to each other, we say, what's your next adventure? Praise God for that adventure. Now you're embarking on a new adventure because it's all wonderful. It's all exciting if we have the right perspective. Yeah, slavery was hard, but what a wonderful adventure and opportunity to worship the Lord. And now that I'm free, may I not abuse my freedom recklessly, but use that to worship the Lord as well. You need to understand that yes, always, always, it is a 100% true and proven fact that the grass is always greener on the other side in your mind. In your mind. It's only in your head. And no matter how much you may think the grass is greener on the other side, every present circumstance has its own special opportunities and drawbacks to living out the gospel for God and to others. Because, as he continues in verse 22, he who was called in the Lord while a slave is the Lord's freedman. Likewise, he who was called while free is Christ's slave. Though someone may have been a slave at that time, if saved as a slave, he or she is now the Lord's freedman. In other words, they have been freed from sin. They have been given a freedom in Christ. And don't think that amounts to nothing. And you could see that, right? Yeah, I'm freed in Christ, but I'm still getting beaten by my master. No, no, no. As difficult as that may be on a physical and social level, the spiritual freedom that you have now that you're no longer enslaved to your sin, you are now free in Christ. On the flip side, in keeping with the analogy, someone who was free when he was saved, whether freedman, meaning a formerly a slave or never a slave, is now Christ's slave. Now, in the Roman culture, the freed slave now belonged to the one who freed him. Now, obviously, some would free him and say, you're, you're free, you don't belong to me. But there's still obviously a, a, a respect and allegiance to that individual. For us, that individual is Christ. Now, both of these truths apply to all Christians. We are both freed and enslaved to Christ. 
Romans 6.22. But now having been freed from sin and enslaved to God, you derive your benefit, resulting in sanctification and the outcome eternal life. Did you catch that? Does that ring a bell? Romans 6.22. How is this true? Romans 6.23. Now that rings a bell. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's why there's a beauty in both being free and now enslaved. Because the wages of sin is death, but now you're enslaved to God and worship Him. All of this to say that Paul again is minimizing present social status. And understand that slavery is a big one. It was hard. It was demeaning. It it could take your life physically. And that was okay. It was demeaning. But no matter whom you may legally be owned by on earth or bound to through marriage, ultimately, it is God to whom you belong. And that's what matters. And we know why. Just like with an actual slave in Roman times, God paid a price. He purchased us. And that leads us to our fourth and very short help to understanding social standing, the unparalleled price. Look at the first phrase of verse 23, you were bought with a price. This truth really hits home with us as believers, but also reinforces the theological and metaphorical point of verse 22. This really needs no elaboration. Christ died for your sins. Both slaves and freedmen, married and unmarried, circumcised or uncircumcised, rich or poor, high society or social outcast, as a Christian, you were purchased by the blood of Christ. He died for your sins. He lived the perfect life that God expected, demands that you live. You can't do it. You couldn't do it. You still can't do it. And so he sent the perfect man, the Messiah, Jesus Christ, to live the life We were to live. That's why God created us, Adam and Eve, to fulfill the law of God, to fulfill the law and the prophets, dying as an innocent man for our sins, raised again, proving that He is God, conquering death, proving that He is indeed the Messiah. He died for your sins. Well, let's move on to the fifth help to understanding social standing, the unacceptable propensity. It's that which comes easily for us. We don't need to try. In other words, if we just stop and let go, this is what we're going to do if we don't discipline ourselves for the purpose of godliness. And that's why we have this warning at the end of verse 23. Paul writes, do not become slaves of men. What does it mean to become a slave of men? He is now not talking about physically. He is talking about figuratively and spiritually. To become a slave of men is when the Christian reverts to his previous bondage of worldly thoughts and foolish actions. Foolish actions really meaning the same thing for the Christian as worldly thoughts. Especially, and here's the point, when it comes to social pressures, keeping up with the Joneses, having a level of social acceptance, it is both tempting and easy to slip back into old ways. And this is why it's so dangerous, because when you do that, you are coming under the influence of not God-ordained, but man-made norms and expectations that have nothing to do with Christ. And you then become a slave of men. No, 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 I'm slave to social pressures. Well, what is society? Where did that social pressure come from? From people. It's man-made. You become the slave of men. 
Because again, you submit yourself to expectations and pressures and norms that have nothing to do with Christ. You take that too far, and then you will have nothing to do with Christ by your own choice. Because Christ gets in the way of those types of things. Listen carefully. The only criterion of your worth and how you should live is determined by God's call and not by humans with their faulty judgments and social categorizations. When you live by those rather than in accordance to God's call, then you are voluntarily, willingly enslaving yourself to man. Even allowing yourself to be controlled by your circumstances disregards the power and efficacy of God's saving call. And to bring it all home, in verse 24, he repeats our universal principle again, brethren, each one is to remain with God in that condition in which he was called. I've seen this. I've seen this in Christians, good Christians, good men and women, so anxious about what the boss thinks, so racked with fear and sometimes anger and jealousy that he got the promotion, but I didn't. That just in those sins alone, the worship suffers, the family suffers. So what do you do? Work harder. Work longer. Not because this is excellence for God, but because of those things that I just mentioned. So you're not serving your husband or your wife. You're definitely not spending time with your kids or the grandkids or whomever. You're sacrificing church, small group, Bible studies. And even if you're there, you're not all there because you're worried about things. You're just worried about pulling yourself up by the bootstraps, having more money. I'm not greedy. I just want to have enough. And then you get there. I just want to have enough. And then you get there. I just want to have enough. And then you get there. It never ends. It never ends. And all the time you're looking the other way when the homeless need money or the missionaries are suffering because their donors don't have money because of losing their jobs or being furloughed. But I'm comfortable. I have the toys. I have the stuff. But where's your worship? And you see why we need this passage. You will never experience slavery like these Corinthians did, and yet we whine and complain like we're getting physically beaten by our bosses and treated like property and have an even less godly attitude than actual beaten, literally spit upon slaves who are worshiping God. And we know we're also even giving away as many possessions as they could, some of them, to help other slaves who had less we got to be careful, guys. And again, you get that promotion, praise God. You want to get married because you're burning? We just saw it. Then get married. But here's the thing. We can't let these things be an obsession or a compulsion. I've entitled this sermon, The Consummate Calling, because we tend to look at our lives. We try to pick out, and, and you know, we don't even need to try to pick out. You know, our selfishness does that for us. Our selfishness makes mountain out of molehills and they become glaring issues and say, I need to deal with that. Then my life will be perfect. Then I can serve. Then I can give. Then I can do whatever. More money, a bigger house, a spouse, kids, whatever. Look at our society today. 
change your ethnicity, change your gender, then I can do it. But your calling in Christ is the consummate calling. In other words, it is the calling that brings you to a state of perfection. In other words, no matter what you may think, no matter what your neighbors may say, no matter what your employers may do to you, the only calling or status that matters you already have, and that's what makes you perfect. It is the consummate calling. Don't let society's view or even your own view of your status or occupation make you think that you are any less in the eyes of God. God is not concerned with the state in which you live. He is concerned with how you live in that state. Serve Him here. Serve Him now. Serve Him wherever He puts you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank You so much for Your sovereignty. And as challenging it may be, as it may be, thank You for Your clarity in helping us understand that You know exactly what we're going through. You know exactly where You have put us. You know exactly where You are purposely intending to keep us. Father, may we not be concerned with where we're going with our job, where we're going socially, but may we be overwhelmed with where we're going when we die. Help us to not be overly obsessed and concerned with what our life may bring on a social level, but how we live for our God and our Creator. Use us, Father, for Your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. This has been Grace to the Bay with Dr. Roger Chen. For the next part in this series, join us next week at this same time. Grace to the Bay is the radio ministry of Grace Church of the Bay Area, practicing and proclaiming the purity of biblical truth. You are invited to join them for worship services in San Mateo, Sundays at 11 a.m. Visit gracebayarea.org for service times, directions, live streamed services, listen to archived sermons, or to make a tax-deductible donation to help keep Grace to the Bay on the air so that we can continue to share Pastor Roger's teaching with you each week. Again, that's gracebayarea.org. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.